Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast. In this episode, it's all about case modding. We start with a Thermaltake Core V51 build and migrate into the Gigabyte Mod to Win. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia, and with me today, I have Darren McKay. One of the things that we like to do here at HardwareAsylum.com is focus on enthusiast activities. We have spent some time over the last few months working on particularly a hardware upgrade to a Core V51. I want to take a minute now that we've got it in a stable position to talk a little bit about that process and some of the things that we've learned. So first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about that build, Dennis? So the Thermaltake Core V51, that's a liquid-cooled certified case from Thermaltake, is also one that has a ton of modding potential. You can rearrange the drive trays inside, it's got ample little metal mesh around the outside. It has plenty of placements for their ring fans, which have those little LED lights around it, and it kind of looks really cool because it's set back. It just has a look to it that says we need to have a mod. I think one of the things that attracted me to it was the mesh is removable, very easily removable, and of course it has a very large window that shows every nook and cranny, which can be a blessing and a curse. Yes. I tried to put some window tint on there. It didn't work too well. <laughs> well, maybe next time we upgrade it. But you chose the case. Now, when you first took a look at this case, and you talked about the physical hardware, but what were you thinking as your initial mods? My initial mods for the case were to do a kind of a, a recolor. With some of the other mods that I've done to help promote Hardware Asylum, for instance, I've taken the case apart and selectively painted certain aspects of it, the signature pearl orange. Oh, we love the pearl orange. Love the pearl orange. With the Core V51, I kind of wanted to push myself a little bit. So instead of selectively painting like the motherboard tray, for instance, I recolored the entire case. So we painted the plastic piece in the front orange, which took some special care to actually get the paint to stick, which was kind of fun. Uh, also the side panels and the top panel. Now, Dennis, you had a specific vision, I think, in mind for what you wanted to accomplish with this. And I know part of that was with the water cooling. But go ahead and fill us in. What was your objective here? The objective was to start with a basic case, modify it in some way. Because, you know, we have people that do modding and they are just really elaborate builds. And I wanted to do something ground up. So we did custom paint. We wanted to do a custom build inside of it. And then also water cool it and kind of complete the entire ensemble as really a promotion for enthusiast activities that we've already done. Now, I know that this dovetailed very well with the project that I had, which was to build a new PC. So I did put some constraints on you up front based on the hardware that I had in mind. I wouldn't say they were constraints. It was more or less the, some of the good hardware that was still left around in the lab. So we have the X99 MSI Gamer 7. We also have some G-Skill memory. You bought the, what is it, the 5820K processor for yes. Haswell E. And then we also had a GTX uh, 970 from Gigabyte, the G1. Yeah, a great video card. I still have it, actually. The rest of the build was rounded out with some other pieces, parts that you would expect from a, a regular build. You know, the standard upgrade. We have some parts, we're going to add some new stuff, and build it in computer. So one of the things about the V51 is it allowed us, by limiting the build to just a couple of drives, to eliminate a lot of the interior material, which made it so that you could paint the inside of the case as well. Well, one of the, the pieces that I painted on the inside was the 
spar where the drives attach because you're allowed to move the hard drive cages up and down to position them however which way you want. Since we're going to remove most of them, I left that as the orange piece and that was going to be a backdrop for something that we install later. We also anticipated putting some light behind the radiator and this is maybe a good opportunity to talk about the cooling portion of the build because that really was where we spent the majority of our time. So we had uh, initially it was a Noctua cooler while we were waiting for the water cooling gear to come in. We are featuring the Thermaltake Premium TT, and something that we talked about in previous podcasts. So we have their, their res, their block combo, and also the hardline PETG tubing. So we spent a lot of time filming and talking about how to do those builds. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time there, but we did have some positioning issues. And this is maybe a good opportunity also to talk about uh, some of the things that you have to think about when you're building a hardline setup. Well, any water cooling setup, really. For instance, we have an all-in-one cooling unit, and the nature of all-in-one is that it's all self-contained. So we have the plump block combo that fits on top of the CPU that wires into a radiator that you place somewhere within the case. And that's where cases all have say, hey, we support water cooling. Well, it might just be all-in-one. <laughs> when you go with a DIY system, for instance, none of that gear is all in one place. You might have a pump res that is mounted at the front of the case or might be on the top of the case. And then you have the radiator that you need to determine where it's going to fit. And if the radiator happens to be extra thick, like the one we got from Thermaltake, it may not fit at the front of the case. You might have to put it at the top of the case. And then at that point, our fan's going to fit. And how do you run hoses to those locations? So that's where you need to map out where things are going to go in your case. And you have to have all your gear installed to do this. Like with your wind force cooler, it's a bit longer than the PCB. But once you remove that, we had some room in between the drives and the car to fit your reservoir there. The reservoir was really the biggest issue that I saw because we didn't know exactly where it was going to go. It was a bit taller than I was expecting it to be. If it was shorter, we could have placed it under the drives, for instance. And that's something to remember if you're going to be doing this yourself. Make sure you measure your area. And if you're going to pick... A pump res combo, expect them to be taller, otherwise get separate units. Once we figured out where the radiator and the res were going to go, we could install the blocks. We used an EK block on his video card, and we used the Thermaltake block, which is a SwiftTech block on the CPU. We have all that stuff. We install our fittings, and now we can run our hoses. And with we were using softline tubing, it would be pretty easy. You just make a length, connect the tube, put some clamps on there, and we're done. But in this build, we were doing hardline with PETG. Yes, very challenging. But there are a couple of reasons for that. One was, of course, that this was our first attempt. So it was difficult initially for us to determine how much heat and how much bend we could get away with. And I know you did some experimenting with the tubes before we started. So this is another great opportunity where there must be some sort of buy more, burn less, or some kind of wisdom in there. But you're going to take and you're going to need more hardline than you think. Yes, I bought... Uh four big packages of PETG, partially so I had some extras, but I knew I was going to be filling a box full of just odds and ends of, hey, does this work to bend this way? Or, hey, can I mark it here with a marker so that I can know where I'm going to do the bend? You can't, by the way. So when I got done with that, you know, I have all these extra pieces, but those were all experiments for when we finally got around to putting the system together. And this was kind of an educational opportunity for me too. I've done a lot of all-in-one cooling and have done the soft line tubing or the fish tank tubing in the past, but I'd never done hard line. So 
I guess it didn't occur to me how challenging it would be that all of these little ports don't line up because, you know, nobody thinks about how your water cooling is going to work. Well, no. And when you see the pictures on the Internet of somebody's build, you're looking straight into the case or you're looking at an angle to the point where everything looks like it lines up. And there's, uh, you know, was it the guy from Prima Chill says, oh, everything has to be military specs. So we lay down our blah, blah, blah this way so that the angles are perfect. There's a lot of sense to that, but there's not necessarily a right and a wrong way to lay out your tubing. It's kind of the efficient way of getting water from this place, point A, to point B, and still kind of look good. So we talked a little bit already in another podcast, but just as a refresher, I know that the order of the equipment and the water cooling is important. It's kind of become a bit moot, I should say, in the, in, you know, in the modern world. Back in the early days when uh, yeah, you would water cool to overclock, you wanted to have the coolest liquid going to the hottest component or the component that was going to be impacted the most by extra heat. In modern systems, the heat impact is less of a, an issue. The issue there is making sure that your radiator can handle whatever heat load is in the system. So you have single loops and dual loops, which might be one loop for a CPU, one loop for video cards. That way they kind of have the best of both worlds. However, with a CPU and a video card, you can get away with just a single loop, which is what we did for the V51. Now, it took us an evening to put this together, and that was mostly doing the bends. Mm -hmm. And so the process for building a bends is really just trying to measure it, get an idea for what the bends need to be, and then you rough one out and try the fit. And then to some extent, you can, uh, you can reshape these things. You can reshape it a little bit. Um, so with PETG or acrylic for this, you know, whichever way you want to look at it, you heat up the plastic and you can mold it to shape whichever direction you want it to go. So if you want a simple 90 to connect two pieces together, you go and figure out where you want to have that. You make your bend and then you cut your lengths. And if you have the silicon cord in the middle, you can reshape them. You can also do one bend and then try to do another. And the first one kind of loosens up a bit. But that's kind of semantics of how you put them together. The important part is that you have to deal with three-dimensional space. So while you really just need one bend, you have to consider that it's going to go not directly straight off of the video card into the CPU. You might need to have a slight twist at the end as well. Well, and as you already mentioned, some of it is aesthetically making it so that from that big window on the V51 that your bands look as clean as possible. So I think that was really a lesson learned for us. And maybe it's an opportunity to talk about the pros and cons of a hardline system. The biggest pro, of course, is looks. Because the performance aspect of hardline versus softline is marginal at best. Yeah, I don't think that there's much of a benefit to going one way or the other in terms of raw performance. Now, what I will tell you from experience is that if you get a good fitting hardline on there, your system has a lot more rigidity maybe is the right word. Things are going to be stable. The connections are more solid. You don't have to worry about flex in your system, which for me was a plus because I moved that machine fairly regularly. Well, and the one thing that a lot of people don't talk about is that, say, for instance, you have a line coming from your video card to your CPU. That's kind of a, a flexible bend. You can make that connection work. Once you add that CPU to the radiator, it becomes a little bit more solid. It's that very last tube that has to go in there. Everything else is rigid rigid at this point, and you can't move them apart too much. Try to, try uh, to pop that last one in, yeah. yeah. 
and get that last one in is kind of, that's the, you have to plan that one out. Well, and making sure that when you're done that you've got the right length, but you can still make everything fit tightly. Yeah. And not leak. We had, uh, <laughs> we were going to video this actually. We we're going to fill the system the first time and we had the video camera going, putting water in there and lo and behold, it leaked out of the bottom fitting. Oh no. Fixed that one. And then it leaked out of the video card because I forgot to tighten the plugs on one side. So, you know, it's a trial and error. Well, and definitely one of those things where you have to anticipate that it's not going to go very smoothly because things are going to move around a little bit and your bends are going to be sometimes a little bit awkward. And we did introduce some additional wrinkles that we haven't talked about. I was pretty insistent on having a flow meter because I was really nervous about whether or not I could tell if the liquid was moving. Yeah, well, that's one of the also benefits of having water cooling is that you don't hear the pump. Once the air's all out of the system, the pump is nearly silent. And at that point, you can turn your fans down. So you don't have any noise coming from your PC aside from maybe the hard drive spinning or, you know, a CPU fan ramping up or something. So I did go with an acrylic block that had a flow meter, but it also had a combination temperature gauge, which appealed to me so I could track the water temperature and a little LED light in it that would light up and show that everything was moving. So that was one addition, but of course that's two more cuts and another set of fittings. And then we also, of course, have to have a drainage block, which works a lot like your car for your oil. And for that, I used a T-fitting. So we had a line coming out of the pump res combo right before it went into the video card, basically teed off, and then we had a little plug at the end so we could drain water out. If we learned anything from this, probably my key point was you have not planned enough time to build those bends correctly, and you do not want to rush them. That was probably my biggest takeaway. Did not anticipate how long that was going to take. Well, we did spend two, not full days, but basically one full day split into two days putting this system together. The first day was ripping the system apart, mapping out where everything was going to go, and I believe we did our first bend that night and then came back the next day to finish it off. Well, and that doesn't even take into account leak testing, flushing the system, that sort of stuff, which takes additional time where you're sitting there staring at your PC patiently holding whatever absorbent towel you think you might need. <laughs> right. Well, and we also did um, the initial flush was with distilled water and we ran that for a day. Not because I think you need 24 hours to do a leak test, but it was the end of the night. So I just let it run all night, come back the next day, drain it. And then I filled the coolant, which we used the orange uh, C1000 from Thermaltec. So that matched the paint very well. And then we used accent lighting that was white. We'll have to get some pictures up for you. And moving the lighting around has been kind of interesting. So I ended up uh, buying those thermal tank rings. I bought some extras so that I would be able to put a bright orange thermal tank ring fan in every location, which is a bit of an overkill. Yeah, you definitely don't need that many fans, but I'm going to say it looks awesome. It does look awesome, and thanks to the uh, the ample window and also the ample grating on the case for that. Yeah, so after we got the system together, yes. and you took it home, you ran it for about a month so what was it like going from a water-cooled or an air-cooled system to a water-cooled system? Well, I should point out that initially we did not have any fans on the radiator. And part of that was because we'd done some temperature testing and determined that the water temperature stayed in the nice low 30 degrees Celsius range, even under load, with just the case fans. And I just didn't have enough 
ring fans because I wasn't sure where I wanted them. So we left them on the case, mostly for aesthetic reasons. And I really left the machine off unless I was in there where I could keep an eye on it because I was just paranoid about leakage and paranoid about temperature. But then I got some more fans in, put those in, and that kind of led us to phase two. But uh, initially, even with the extra fans, it was quieter. Definitely very, very attractive. Like it, yeah, there's no way you can walk past the room without stopping to look at it. I did notice, because um, I came over, what was it, a couple weeks after you took the system home? Right. I had topped off the reservoir with, with liquid. And I figured, hey, I got most of the air out or all of the air out. And after two weeks, it had gone down a good half an inch. That's right. And that was just air stuck in the system that had finally bled out. That was that was my biggest surprise that I thought after uh, seeing the system put together. Well, that is really interesting, too, because you think that you've twisted and turned this thing to burp it, I guess, for lack of a better term. And maybe that's a good lesson learned, too, is that you know if you have quality components, they will eventually bleed out as much as they did was a surprise. So I was trying to think of what other pros and cons we've got from this thing. Well, time element, obviously it's very expensive to convert your system over, and it really is a labor of love. Do you need to go hardline? Mm-hmm. No. No. But is there anything that looks as impressive? I don't think so. I would say one of the biggest cons is, um, one was the, the liquid itself. Oh, yeah. Something that I used to clean the loop before I filled it with uh, actual the coolant had a bleaching agent, I believe, and it turned the your pretty orange coolant into white coolant, which I thought was kind of fun. No, fun for you, scary for me. Yeah. It was like an overnight sensation. Uh, maybe I didn't notice, but, you know, you walk in one day and your liquid is no longer orange. Yeah. Try to explain that. Yeah, I'm going to say that that was probably a fluke, but uh, we'll see what happens. We're right now, we're still in, what, week three of your, since we upgraded it, which I'm going to say is the second con of Hardline Tubing. You had a GTX 970, and over the 4th of July weekend, you got yourself a GTX 1070. Yes, I did. And another EK water block for that card. Love the EK water blocks. Look great. Yeah, you went with the Gamer X, which has the larger VRM. It's a physically larger card. So when you wanted to get that put in, we had to, best case scenario, pull the old card out, put the new card in. But obviously, the card's taller, so we have to redo a couple of lines. Well, I may have been a little naive, but I really thought that if I bought the same brand water block, because I really liked it, and there just aren't a lot of options, that it would maybe go right in the same place? (laughs) Not so much. The 1070 is physically larger. It's longer, and it's also taller. And the taller the card, that's going to move the hard line, so it's not going to line up anymore. So we have to make, at best a tube from the CPU block to go back to the to the video card block. That's what I originally thought. So once we realized that we needed to put this larger card in, we discovered a couple of other things, and one of them was that we needed to move the reservoir. So we already talked about how tight the reservoir fit in the initial build, so that created a brand new challenge that we addressed by... Uh, well, you had to move your hard drive rack. That's right. In fact, we eliminated the hard drive rack completely, which required us to relocate the hard drive, and I think the end result looks pretty good. You'll have to tell us in the comments if you like the pictures. I'm still not 100% happy with it, but it opened up even more space. Yes. Visually, we just had to move the reservoir over probably about a half an inch to clear the card. 
we had to redo a couple of the bends. We also moved the drain because initially I had the drain on kind of a short lead off of the pump, but that would put it kind of over top of the cables that came out of the power supply. And it made it really difficult to get something in there to drain the liquid out. Originally, I thought we could just drop it through the bottom, but that made a big mess. So I did a 90 off of that, pulled the drain out further towards the window. It gives us easier access to that, which also gave us a side benefit of having a nice S-bend directly into the video card. And I didn't have to redo that line. So we were able to reuse the line. It looks better. It's kind of fits better and um, more functional too. We're flushing the line, which is a fairly regular occurrence and something a lot of people don't really think about when you build any water cooling is that liquid is not going to last forever. Eventually, you're going to need to flush it and refill it. So also, we had um, a problem during the initial build where we'd nicked a wire, for lack of a better term, and killed the LED on my flow meter. Since I was already a little paranoid about that, while we were in there, we had to take that line out too. So functionally, we had to, for one reason or another, remove every single tube from the old build and put the thing back together again. Well, I didn't mind, um, you know, for an end user at home putting together a hardline system like this. That's a bit discouraging and it will make you not want to upgrade your system. Well, definitely. And another long evening, and I have to agree, it really will make me want to say, how sure am I that I want to upgrade the system again in the future? Because in its current state, it's kind of a complete product and messing with it is a, you know, a one or two night endeavor. So just to wrap up the project, this was a large endeavor. It took several months, almost a year, actually, going back to February 2015. Three questions. Okay. What would you say to anybody who wants to build a system similar to yours? Yes, no, maybe? Well, I think yes and maybe are both appropriate answers. Yes, I would recommend it, but primarily because I learned a lot doing it, and the end product is honestly stunning, maybe the best looking computer that I've ever had. And I've done a lot of case modding competitions in my time. Visually stunning, performance fantastic. Okay, second question. Since you have uh, kind of an upgrade bug, kind of like I do, you, with an air-cooled system or an all-in-one system, it was really easy to change hardware around. Since we've gone through this build process, do you think you would ever do this again or allow (laughs) me to let you do this again? Oh gosh, I don't know. Upgrading? Oh, uh, I can get to the memory without having to touch the water. Maybe I would change the fans into something I could have some fun with, some RGBs or something programmable, or if we went with a different accent color. Um, I can remove the power supply. I mean, are you getting the drift here? Yeah. The goal is not to touch that water setup ever again, and my hope is that it will not leak, so... I won't have to do anything but occasional flushes for the foreseeable life of that PC. And then honestly, I would probably cannibalize the parts that aren't touched by the water if I had to and sell the rest as a unit. Final question. If you were to dream build this, not necessarily like no strings attached or anything like that, what would you change? Well, that is a tough one. I think uh, I would definitely go with two video cards, which is something I struggled with. And that was a cost-based decision and also the availability of a second 1070 or even a 1080. You know, I always say that it's best to get a card that's in your budget and then you can add a second one later. 
But when you go hardline, that becomes a little bit more difficult because you got the additional cost of a second block. You got the additional work of making some pretty small connections work. And then you've got, of course, tear it all back down and put it back together. So if you're going to go hardline, you're going to want to get the best video card that you can afford and write it until you're done. And so that would be what I'd change is I'd do two up front if I could. And budget was not an option. And the second thing is, and you've kind of nailed it, I really find some of the aftermarket reservoirs really cool. I mean, they have helixes and different light effects and stuff. And we went with a self-contained unit. And there were kind of two reasons for that. One is because uh, it's a really great product from Thermaltake. And we were excited to have it. And a little bit bigger even than we thought. Because, you know, we just weren't sure what we were going to get. But I think I would go with a separate reservoir or maybe two and a separate pump. A couple reasons for that. One is you can go with some cool stuff. And two is that if you need to upgrade, replace, or repair, you don't have a single point of failure. And so I think that if I were to do it again today, I would recommend going that route, even though there is another additional cost associated with separating those things out. Overall, I think going with hardline is a tough decision that really just need to be prepared for with time and budget. But as an enthusiast, if you haven't done a hardline build, it really is kind of the final frontier, and you owe it to yourself to give it a shot. In the last segment, we talked in depth about our buildup of a Thermaltake Core V51 that I custom painted. We throw in some hardline water cooling and actually a really nice GTX 1070 from MSI, which is a really nice card. But that's not the only modding project that we have going on in the Hardware Asylum Labs. Ooh, do tell. Well, to mark the 30th anniversary of Gigabyte, they've been around for 30 years, can you believe that? They are having a contest that they call Mod to Win. Now, this is their 30th anniversary mod challenge, I see. Wow, 30th anniversary. I'm old is what they're telling me. When is the competition? Well, the competition already started. There was a... There's three stages to this competition. The first one was a design concept, and that started May 27th of this year, and it went for one month. And design concept is kind of what you think. It's a paper build. So they requested, hey, you draw out your build the way you want it. You can use like CADs if you want or use pictures and mock it up. The idea is to get people interested in the contest early on, get their accounts started, and as a benefit, they would select three people from those that group to get like a motherboard, video card, and cooler to help offset some of the costs of their build. And that's very cool. So that's the first phase. So the second phase is the build, I take it? Yeah, it's basically four months of build your mod. So that's from July 1st until November 14th. So I'm guessing that then they go into some sort of judging, right? It's a bracket system. Yeah, something like that. Uh, the grand finale, which is um, the final month, it goes a while, all the way until December 19th. That's when you submit your final designs for judging. There's a list of judges. I think some of them are from Modders, Inc. And cool. some, some of them are also from um, Gigabyte Corporate and whatnot. Makes sense. So let's talk about it a little bit. If you want to be a part of this or if you wanted to be a part of this, what were the requirements? What is Gigabyte asking us to do? Well, they want you to build a, a case mod. Makes sense. <laughs> of course. So obviously you have a couple of rules. You have to have a gigabyte video card and a gigabyte motherboard. The build must also feature a water cooling component and you get a couple of bonus points. Bonus points seem good. 
Yeah, so you have to use the Gigabyte 30th Anniversary logo, which is kind of like a 30. Okay, makes sense. I thought it'd be kind of fun to do 30 in Chinese characters. Oh. But that's not the logo, which is weird. Well, of course, they want to get it in the pictures. That makes sense. And what else gets you a bonus point? Blue. I'm blue. You have to use a blue color. Uh, And I'm not sure if you have to use the Gigabyte blue. You could probably use like a pearl blue, but... Yeah, I, I'm I don't guessing know. that they would be in favor of the blue, but that's okay because blue is maybe the most popular modding color. If not, it's pretty high on the list. Yeah, well, it also works well for people that are not color enabled. Right, and it's not so bright if it's sitting next to you on your desk. Oh, that's very true, very true. So the the final item, which is really the most important, is the prizes. Oh, yes. So for first place, this is actually, I, I love this. So for third first place, a trip for two to CES... Dun, dun, dun. 2017. Oh, okay. A ways away. Yeah, two people to CES. Uh, I, I believe you're going to have to hang out in the Gigabyte suite to kind of talk about your build. They'll probably want it to be there. Yes. And you get $1,000 in cash. Cool. An X99 Design Air EX motherboard, which is something that I reviewed. A GTX 1080 graphics card, which is also probably from Gigabyte. An Intel Core i7-6900K CPU, which is nice. Okay, they're starting to round it out. I see where we're going here. Yeah, EK CPU liquid cooler. HyperX Predator Black XMP DDR 8-gig kit of memory. Corsair Neutron Drive, 480 gigs. Uh, Intermax power supply, 1500 watt. Intermax 120 millimeter twister storm case fan. I'm assuming you get more than just one fan. I'd guess, uh-huh. Uh, and it looks like the final item is a Corsair Obsidian 750D in black. Oh, and there it is. Your mod will be showcased at the Gigabyte CES barroom, just as we suspected. So essentially, you're going to get yourself a whole brand new computer. Yeah, which you already put one together. So I don't know if maybe they're going to keep your mod or something. <laughs> How funny would that be? We'll take your box and we're going to give you this high-end one in exchange, which actually kind of makes sense. So second place is kind of the same thing. You get $500 in cash. No CES trip. No CES trip. Uh, You get what? A Phoenix SLI X99 motherboard, a 1070 graphics card, a 6850 CPU, which is also still good. EK CPU liquid cooler, HyperX Predator memory, Corsair Neutron 240 gig drive. I mean, you can't get the 480. What the heck? (laughs) Uh, Intermax, Raid Max, Intermax? Platinum Max 1000. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I can't even see that. Uh, you get an Intermax uh, case fan, Corsair 600C black ATX full tower chassis, and your mod will be showcased at the Gigabyte CES ball. Okay. Well, I can see that some of that is just to scale it down to create some distance between first and second place. Still a nice build, though. Still very nice. And third place, you get $250 in X99 Ultra. You know, these are, this is the boring prices, right? Oh, uh, only a 960. 960 uh, graphics card from way back. Maybe they'll change it to a 1060. It seems logical. Yeah. Uh, let's see, a 6800K CPU, which also is a nice CPU. EK water cooler, HyperX Predator memory, Neutron 240 drive, which is nice. Intermax Revolution 750 power supply, scaled down a lot. Intermax uh, Vegas case fan, Corsair 600C. And your mod will be showcased at the Gigabyte Ballroom. So win yourself a new PC, which may or may not be better than the one you're already using. But hey, you're going to get some cash and some prestige. 
So I would say if you are interested at all in case modding and think that you have what it takes to take on me and what, 30 other people that have already submitted designs. Right. Definitely go out to the Gigabyte website and register for an account. You also need to go to their uh, event co-sponsor, which is at Modders Inc. You have to create a profile out there and create your build log. Much like in the old days when you were building your case mods and showing off your cool water cooling loop, you need to have some pictures and descriptions about what you're doing. Well, I would think just going to check those out would be worth the trip. Definitely. You can also check out my mod. I will link down in the show notes for this. I'm doing something a little different. Oh, what are you doing? I'm going to do a water chiller. <laughs> oh, nice. We haven't done a water chill build in a long time. Right. Well, and nobody does them in builds for like, you know, show builds, for instance. So yeah, I'm going to build mine in a um, Master Case 5. And it's going to have C- CPU loop and a video card loop kind of together. It will have an extra water block in there that will be my my chiller uh, connection. So you could drop in a liquid nitrogen pot on top, super chill the liquid and get some good overclocking in there. Or you could hook it up to a single stage phase, or you could just put another fan up there if you really wanted to. I might have a relay in there so that it turns off the fans on the radiator, because obviously when you get the water below ambient, you don't... If you're blowing air through the radiator, it's going to heat it up, not cool it off. Oh, that's true. So there'll be a a few challenges, though, because the coolant I would have to use is not friendly to plastics. Oh. So I might have to uh, change out some of the water cooling stuff to make that work. But I think it would be a shoe-in to win just because Gigabyte is real big into overclocking. So am I. And it's something that nobody else has done. So it's a bit original. Well, something to check out, guys. And of course, visit Dennis on the website. Check out the build log at hardwareasylum.com. Or you can always go check it out on the contest pages. We'll link to them in the notes. And Dennis, we wish you luck with the build. And I can't wait to see it in progress as you move forward. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Google or like us on Facebook. This has been an InjaLane production, copyright 2016. Thanks for listening.